Coming up with the draft approaching, we continue our deep dive in on all the draft prospects, starting with an international player on our minds and maybe not the Nets fan base so much. Ryan Rupert, Derek Whitehead, and so many more all coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends. It is the Locked On Nets podcast right on Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. He's Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Marmbrecht. And we thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We're free on all those great platforms. And we let you know today's episode is brought to you by none other than Bird Dogs. You go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA. And when you enter promo code all caps locked on NBA, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style of tumbler with every order and Doug. I don't know about you, man, but I get excited about prospects. I get excited about dreaming on what could be. I have to stop myself from thinking that they're going to be day one plug and play starters in the rotation at 21 or 22. But there are some more guys we want to discuss from the backcourt to the frontcourt, diving in with Ryan Rupert here at the start, an international player that we did get some sense around from Rafael Barlow a couple weeks ago. Yeah, look, uh, played in New Zealand for the Breakers. He's a longer wing, 6'6", uh, with a seven foot three wingspan, and he definitely shows it when he's on the court. Um, he's from France. There's a lot to like here. I will can get into the you know the positives and the negatives of his game. Whenever you're talking about a guy that's projected in the twenties, there's always going to be flaws, right? So we're never we're not talking about any complete prospects with where the Nets are drafting, right? Mm-hmm. When the Nets are drafting in this twenty one twenty two range. This is the, the the list of guys you're going to get is going to not is you know whether they're too old or a little slow or they can't shoot or they're not going to defense right like there's always something there's always a hole with these guys uh, for repair there's no hole on defense <laughs> this guy could come in day one and at least cause chaos on the defensive end right and that is when you're talking about this guy as a prospect you're trying you're you're looking at that and hoping you can build from there. Yeah, for sure. And I'll reference back to something that Rafael Barlow had said about um, Ryan Rupert because he was in Dallas. Rupert was, as was Barlow, doing some workouts, et cetera, over the past couple of months. And when he discussed with him about the model of his game, you mentioned there about being a wing. And when he went over to play with New Zealand, that's the role, as Rupert states it, that they wanted him to be in, the traditional 3 and D wing. And then he made reference to none other than Mikhail Bridges and saying, when I look at Mikhail Bridges' game and what he did in Phoenix, what was being asked of him versus what he started to show when he came to Brooklyn, the expansion of his game. That's how I look at myself, as in maybe I've been limited in the opportunity to show what else I can do, but I'm also showcasing that I'll fit into the role that you need for me. From that standpoint, I like it. I agree with everything you talk about him defensively. The offensive game, by the way, it is going to be an evolution and a process. He's young, but I but I will say. There's some there's something to be said for looking at prospects. And we talked about this um, with Gigi Jackson a couple of days ago, right? What was he playing? What was the talent around him? What's being asked of him? There's other concerns with a player like that. But with Ryan Rupert, like I can look at it and compare and contrast some of the different sample sizes and say, this is a guy that down the road, I can see being someone who could be on ball a little bit, who can be at a guard spot, certainly a very switchable player and doesn't have to be considered the three and D wing that he will be when he first enters the NBA. 
Yeah, and that, it's funny about what happens like this part of the draft because what happens a lot here is that you do with these kinds of guys, you actually you start looking sort of at only a couple of different skills if you're of a certain archetype, right? Like, and when you're this tall and this long, you start getting put in the box of three and day wings, which means you have to be able to hit threes, right? And just because that's just how the modern NBA has sort of come about, right? You can have wings that are that can be ball dominant. I don't think Ryan Repair uh, trick really projects to be that kind of guy and so at that point you do need certain other things to sort of happen for for the dude i will say on from okay look we, we kind of skipped over the defense the defense is really good <laughs> like yeah. really good and he can get into super weak dribbles he's really really long he gambles a ton but like in a good way uh de- definitely with guys who just don't have as good a handle and he can almost recognize it earlier in in different sequences he has really good instincts on that side of the ball the closeouts are insane like he could he could switch right now and play a pretty high pretty heavy switching scheme now and you would feel okay about it mm-hmm. on the offensive side there are major deficiencies i will say in his def- in his defense here on the offensive thing it's not good but it doesn't look horrible right like there is a right. certain fluidity to his game he can get out in transition he looks athletic it looks like there it looks like there's room for growth in terms of what he can do. He just can't do it right now. Right. Yeah. And so, but it doesn't look bad. Like you'll look at some prospects and you'll be like, whoa, baby, how's this gonna work? Like I just don't <laughs> even see it. I just don't even see it. I can't, I don't see how it's gonna work. And usually this happens with bigger guys who you can already tell aren't gonna be able to play smaller, right? So like guys who maybe like think of like your six, seven centers in college basketball, you're like man, I don't know this, like, or, or the big, tall gangly guys, but they're kind of only out there cause they're tall. And so yep. they go in, like, he's not that guy. He projects as a wing. There is fluidity to his game. It's just super, super inconsistent right now, but you could really dream on some upside in a certain development scheme. Oh, of course. And I think, you know, the other thing that we've talked about with players like these, and this is where I think it's hard for Brooklyn Nets and it's hard for me too. I talk about, I can look at an 18-year-old player coming out of the draft and say, I I think you can be a day one starter. You're also supposed to be excited about the fact that you have some time to let them develop here. But if we close out our thoughts on a player that, again, if he's there at 21, there at 22, I I think it's a pick that I'd be very comfortable with, especially when you think about what his upside could be. But if you think about him fitting into the Brooklyn Nets roster as well, if you want to label him as a 3 and D wing coming in the door, well, guess what that means? It means that as currently constituted, a guy like Royce O'Neal, who showed versatility, he can be flexible into the backcourt at times if called upon, and then also can play out there on the wing at one of the forward spots for you. But Joe Harris, we don't want to see any more of him. Seth Curry, he should be somewhere else next year. You have no idea what you're getting out of other players on this roster behind the Cameron Johnson, the Dorian Finney-Smith, if he's still going to be here, Nicholas Claxton, the starters. It's not hard for me to look and say, a guy like Ryan Repair, and by the way, a lot of guys, but he has a skill set that plugs in and shows value immediately for the Brooklyn Nets in a coming off the bench type of role, knocking down threes and taking off defensive um, necessity for guys like Mikhail Bridges, for guys like Royce O'Neal, who's great at that in his role, but older, a veteran, and a little bit undersized in a lot of those matchups. It's not hard for me to see how he could plug in and be a consistent player for this team in a way that other young players haven't been able to be for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. I don't really know where, okay. I disagree on the, 
he can't hit threes. Like he just shot 23% in New Zealand for the season. Like he can't shoot. I, I, so I'm, I, saying, I I'm identifying his role, what his role would be called upon to okay. be, right? Yeah. yeah I, not, and I, I guess I'm just going to, I'm just going to clarify that by saying, I think that's like two years away. Right. Like I think that yeah. that to me, I, the shooting is, was really pretty poor. So I don't think he's ready now for that role personally, but I know what you're saying in terms of archetype. Like that's the kind of guy that he would, ultimately be but i don't i think the shooting is a, is a ways away that's actually my biggest concern like is that that there's a chance that never comes and if that mm-hmm. never came then it's you are kind of a wasted pick you can't only play defense but again everyone in this range is uh is sort of flawed all right i, I know we're going to talk about uh some more guys here some really cool guys on the list here Derek whitehead uh prosper maxwell lewis we're going to get to those in a second All right, before we get to that, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Bird Dogs. Look, Bird Dogs makes you feel good. I got the Bird Dogs on right now. The most comfortable khaki short, really the most comfortable short I've ever worn. Point stop. This one is as easy as it gets. They just fit way better than regular shorts. They got the anti-stink sweat wicking fabric. Keeps you cool and dry all day long. You can be super active. Like We live near the beach. You head down to the sand, into the water, right back out. Like Nothing even happened. Bird Dogs has to get covered for every single possibility. Like I said, got them on right now. Just not going to stand up. If you go to birddogs.com slash NBA and enter the promo code NBA, you're going to get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. How do you know we love Bird Dogs? I've actually got the tumbler right here in front of me. I'm trying to try to hold it up in front of the camera. Doing a bad job of holding it in front of the camera, but you can see this Yeti thing's coming with the order, but you have to go to the link uh birddogs.com slash locked on mba that's birddogs.com slash locked on mba for a free yeti style tumbler you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you all right as we continue to dive in on another prospect for the brooklyn nets duke products love the pedigree anytime you're talking about duke even though it's a one and done as almost every single college athlete is these days derek whitehead is going to be a prospect that a lot of explosion, a lot different attributes here than other guys we've looked at in terms of natural athleticism, attacking at the rim. What are areas of his game that you like in Whitehead? If this draft yeah. was done a year ago, he would have gone much, much higher. There's some other things that are sort of in and around his situation, specifically health-wise, that have lowered his stock pretty considerably. When you look on, and we'll get into that in a second because there's some Nets ties uh, into what's going on here with, with his foot. He definitely can shoot. Uh, he can definitely shoot at the NBA level right now if he were to come in. Um, the explosiveness that he had in high school wasn't totally there. But if you think that was like that he was playing through a foot injury most of the season, this he has the potential more than some of the other guys that we've talked about to be to enter the steel territory. Like there's boomer bust territory here. Yeah. But like way quicker than some of these super young prospects that we just weren't we're not sure about because you're waiting to see if they can shoot or you're waiting to see if their body fills out or stuff like that with Derek, Like he could, if it's, if it's all around the foot, which we'll get into, there's a world where if he went late twenties or something like that, or just, and I've seen him projected as high as 2021 to the nets in different spots. We could look in like two years and, and say, oh, my God, I cannot believe this guy went that late because everyone got scared off by this thing. And he should have been actually like a top 10, top 15 guy easily because of the way this game, the way this game translates. And if it was a year ago, I think he would have been. Yeah. And uh, he did have. So he already had one foot surgery. Now has undergone another foot, foot surgery, excuse me, um, performed by the uh, Brooklyn Nets uh, team doctor. So a uh, team surgeon. So not a not a bad little tie there. It means, you know. 
that if you're if you're looking at prospects and you want to make sure the health is going to be there, it's projected he'll be ready for camp and everything's going to be fine around the foot. Um, but at least you feel like the Nets have as close to an observation on that as possible. Does it give you any pause that it'll be the second one? That you know, do you yeah. worry about a repeat offender here, especially around feet? Right, as those start to have consistent problems, there's a world where you just can't survive year over year at the NBA level. Yeah, that's actually my only concern. <laughs> right uh, yeah, around right. the game, around the game, I, I don't really have a lot of other concerns. The shot's a little funky, but it goes in. He's got really good poise against defenders getting into his face. Like if you watch, if you watch just a large sample size of him playing. There's guys that will close out of him. You would never even know by the way he kind of stands, by the way he kind of stands his ground when he's pulling up for shots. Um, he can get his own shot at all three levels, but specifically kind of in the mid range and out from beyond the arc. He's going to def- almost definitely be able to run pick and roll uh, with the threat that he can score at multiple layers. The explosiveness was not there, and I think that the stats didn't really translate. But if you can tell yourself the story that it was because he was playing injured, then. You and you go back and look at the high school stuff because <laughs> the high school stuff's just kind of, I mean, completely off the uh, off the screen, right? Um, then you can tell yourself a story, but it's really just my only concern is that if you have multiple, if you have lingering or career, it's not career threatening. If you have lingering or problematic feet problems, like that's that can be hard to go away, and yeah. that can just mean that your career is really just short. It's not, and it's not like a wait and see thing. It's uh, we'll kind of know pretty quickly. And that's again, that's the only reason he's even projected. I really believe that's the only reason he's projected this low is because people are going to be square, square uh, scared off by the medicals. But if you think that the Nets have an inside track here because O'Malley did the, the surgery, then and they feel good about the results, I could definitely see the Nets reaching here. And I, I, I and if and if I'll tell you, that, I'll say it this way too: if they did reach. I would feel actually really confident that they that they feel really yeah. confident, and then I would be super excited about the pick. Does that make sense? If I be phrasing that correctly, around like the if this then that scenario with him? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can think like you said. You know, maybe there's a world where if you're a team picking at 26, 27, 28, there's still first round value there. Sure, we'll take a flyer on him. But if I'm the if if you're the Brooklyn Nets. I, I, you know, you want to be as closely guarded, maybe around the information of how successful the surgery went, if you really like him as a prospect. And if you think he's going to be healthy going forward, I think if you say you're the Brooklyn Nets, you say, yeah, you know, surgery obviously went well for him and we wish him nothing but the best. And you just quietly wait for 21 to come up and then say, we believe that he's going to be healthy going forward here. And I mean, listen, at 21 and 22, depending on how the draft board falls for the Brooklyn Nets, even if there is some injury concern potentially there, I still think the risk might be worth it, depending on who else is there. Because when you watch his tape, prime, it can be a primary defender one through three on the court on the defensive end, has enough size, has enough length. I like him offensively. You mentioned about is a total explosion there. You watch some highlights where he turns the corner on guys, gets the lane access, and then also finishes aggressively at the rim. Like so many of the guys that we've looked at have solid overall skill sets, have developmental traits, but are also players that don't necessarily have the, uh, we talked about him yesterday, uh, two days ago, Jet Howard, right? Athletically, listen, there's a ceiling to what this guy can be. If Whitehead's healthy, like you said, you start to enter into a real value territory for the Brooklyn Nets. When we talk about fit on the roster, I just love being able to plug him in, coming off the bench and, and being in that conversation around a backcourt that at least at this moment 
the Brooklyn Nets have clear holes. He does a nice job reading the court. I think he does a nice job gaining access to the lane and setting up other shots. Played with Derek Lively the second, obviously, as well at Duke. So he seems to have an understanding of, of how to be in the right spot and play with others and put them in good positions too. Not a lot of assist numbers, by the way, but just you look at some of those moments and you can see that he reads the court correctly. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't like put him in like the chucker class here by any stretch of right. the imagination. If anything, I think the injuries made him just sort of a third fiddle in the Duke offense. I think that and, and that's a little concern too. Like if it wasn't injury related and this was just a full on deferment by him because he was just not confident at that level. Uh, you are having to tell yourself a few different stories to make this okay, I think, <laughs> right. right? Because he just didn't take tons of shots. When he did take shots, they went in. And so you feel pretty good about that. And it looks all really translatable, but there'd just be long stretches where he would disappear. Again, he was not an alpha on this team. Um, but you can also just kind of figure out, you say, hey, it's because this and this and this and this was happening with him. Um, and because no one's like no one's concerned about the makeup or anything here really at all. It's really just all this injury related. So I think if and we've seen many examples of guys who have injury concerns that end up being okay, right? Sometimes there's injury guys that that it's it never gets better. But there's guys sometimes that fall because you're like Michael Porter Jr. Like no one wanted to touch him with the back, and this guy's playing in the NBA Finals now, right? Like mm-hmm. so, there's just our examples of guys Joel Embiid dropped in the draft because people were worried about his overall injury stuff. He just won the MVP, right? So there's, I'm not comparing him to either of these guys. I am just saying that sometimes you can just have mistimed injuries Mm -hmm. around this one very specific window where everyone is going to notice about what's happening. And if that is the situation with Whitehead, then you are definitely a hundred percent getting amazing value. If he goes in the twenties, I I, I think, yeah, no, no, yeah, for sure. Yes, for sure. So we, you know what? And we've done now, uh, we're getting up into like the, the double digits here of prospects we've looked at. Doug and I have been on the same page, I'd say about 65, 70% of the time. Um, and it's good. I always like, when I like a prospect a lot, I prefer that Doug sees it the same way as me. Coming up here in a second, we dive in on two more prospects in Prosper and Maxwell Lewis and how they could also potentially be some nice targetable players with upside in the late first round. Before we okay. get to that, make a, make a fast break. It's a fan duel during the NBA playoffs right now. New customers are going to get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel's got it. You covered it. Great promotions every single day. Safe and secure app. You're going to get paid instantly when you hit those uh, same game parlays, which I know you're going to get into. No better way to bet, place bets on all the playoff action. America's number one sports book. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, let's dive in our last two prospects. Closing out the week, frankly, uh, on more NBA talk. Obviously, the draft coming up on the 22nd, so we're winding ourselves down here. Be sure to tap in next week when we're going to talk about some key elements around this roster and whether or not the team gets maybe older or younger following this draft. And then I think Doug and I will start to set up what we prefer to see happen at 21 and 22 on draft night for the Nets. But. There's another player that, and this is the territory when we talk about different prospects that starts to fall into the, for me, measurables and upside kind of category. And that's Olivier Maxson's prosper out of Marquette, six foot eight, 230. I look at him and I think about the Brooklyn Nets, 
want to move off of Dorian Finney-Smith. They want to bring in a player that can occupy that potential position for the Brooklyn Nets roster. And they see a young talent that has athleticism, that has defensive upside, not going to be an outside shooter. It's not a one-to-one replacement here, but just about getting younger and more athletic athletic at a position. Do you Did you like what you saw from Prosper? Because he feels like a guy at 20 years old that over the first couple of seasons could really develop into something nice for Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, he did take three uh, threes a game at Marquette. I yeah. played a t- you know, he played 30 minutes. He shot 34%, 74% from the line. I think there's probably something that you can dream on a little bit here with his ability to maybe have it translate at some point. I mean, I do I will say for a guy that's playing like effectively power forward in a time center to take that many threes in 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 a college scheme is a decent sign because mm-hmm. one, he was allowed to do it, right? So sometimes I'm sometimes I get I, I can be talked into inefficient players if he wasn't a primary ball handler and the team just allowed it to happen, right? And so because that just means that they believed it could go in because they saw other things. Does that make sense? Like they saw yeah. other things behind the scenes that made it like, hey, you can keep shooting. You are allowed to keep doing this. And when you're 6'8 and you play power forward basically and you're allowed to take three-pointers three a game, like that's I think a good sign. And then the free throw – uh, stuff translated as well a little bit lower here I think the Nets would be reaching if they took him at 21-22 he might fall into the second round we'll see I, I'm not really sure where he's going to end up landing if you watch his tape oh go ahead because I have something to say about his defense but uh go ahead just about, about his landing spot yeah and by the way this is probably a scenario where if the Nets are looking at the board correctly and they want to move back a little bit from 21 or 22 you might be able to move back a handful of spots for a targeted player for another team and then still look at a player like this maybe move off of that Dorian Finney Smith or another contract that you're trying to shift so I agree with you there I have seen him like in mocked into the mid 20s at times though so it's not totally nuts right I still think it's probably a little bit of a reach but if you one thing again and this is what happens to a lot of these guys in this range that we talked about with repair a little bit as well is that the defense definitely plays I, to the point where I I wrote a note down cuz I was watching some extended film on it just looks like he's like having full on convulsions when he plays defense <laughs> he he just like it's just everything's moving everywhere at once yep. but it's but it kind of works it it just the arms are moving everywhere it looks like he's got four arms he the arms are moving everywhere at once the legs are moving everywhere but then the end result is that these really good primary ball handlers can't go anywhere <laughs> like they, yeah. they 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 do all this work and at the end of it they kind of haven't gotten any and i'm talking like the like, like cam whitmore's and guys that like are projected high draft picks that he was guarding at the uh, at the uh, there was another guy it was it was Walker I was sorry it was uh it was Whitmore or maybe it was Hawkins Jordan Hawkins I can't remember there was a couple guys that he was that he was guarding and he was just they couldn't do anything <laughs> at t- on different possessions and that was when he got switched on him or he was their primary they were his primary assignment because he was just that good of a defender so it was just funny just watching the body move all around because it just ended up being this sort of chaotic thing that all worked toward make it so that guys just couldn't do a single thing against them on defense. I, again, in terms of translatable skills, that one will translate. I think like different than repair. Like he can probably just, he'll just be, I will almost definitely be able to shoot better. So Mm -hmm. um, I kind of put him in that range of guy. 
Yeah, I like, and I, I you know, mentioned just a, a couple other things on the offensive end. I thought he doesn't, thought he did, and does a nice job of attacking closeouts when they come. There, there's some little like footwork things around clearing space for himself for three point shots that he'll continue to develop, and then even offensively too. Like, there's some nice passing awareness to his game as well, right? Being able to attack downhill at the basket, but have some spatial awareness around what other opportunities are to come. And if you just think briefly about where he fits inside with the Brooklyn Nets, it's not hard at least for me, when you start talking about some of those traits and, and the versatility defensively, like if I start picturing him on the court with Nicholas Claxton, that's a lot of limbs and a lot of length and a lot of switchability and just a lot of matchup issues on the defensive end that I think is something the Brooklyn Nets want to try to accomplish here to make the lives easier for the guys that you say, hey, even a player like Mikhail Bridges, just we want you to be able to focus 70% of your time on the offensive end. And then when we need you to lock in defensively, you can go ahead and dial it up. So I was a fan of his. It's why I wanted to make sure we got to him, but I don't want to. Well, one more th- I want to say one more thing it. about yeah. him before one more thing before I, I, of all the guys that I've talked about so far, I know you talk about more about Barlow. I think he had the highest motor of anybody that I watched. Like yep. he was, he was non, this guy's nonstop. And I want, and it actually made me think in the context of the nets, how few, huge motor guys that I feel like the Nets have had in the last few years. <laughs> like, I just don't feel like they have, like, this is just not the kind of guy that's been on the roster. Now they've had skilled guys and they've had guys that get hold up in a lot of different situations and they've had good players. So it's not a knock on anybody to say they haven't had it. But if you think of just motor, like, Hey, is there a guy in the team that just doesn't feel like they ever stop? I mean, can you think of anyone that fits? I, I, I really couldn't. <laughs> right. I, I just couldn't. <laughs> and so, the watching guy, him play. The guy that runs the most for the Brooklyn Nets that never stops moving. <laughs> the first guy I thought of was Joe Harris. Was never, he's always moving, buddy. He never stops moving. He never stops moving. Okay, great. Making, but like, nothing, nothing happens. Yeah. <laughs> nothing happens. But, uh, <laughs> and so anyway, I just, it made me, it made me think of it's like, hey, it wouldn't be bad to have a guy like this, even if it looks a little chicken with the head cut off at times. I don't know. Sometimes you just need guys like that to come in and just be a little, nuts and have it and get some results like get a lot of pickpocket steals shut down defenders believe that you can guard anybody i don't know that's why i really like the, the what i saw from him from that standpoint we can talk about lewis next but yeah yeah it is funny i'm sorry now i can't stop myself but it is funny when you think about a guy like dayron sharp not built the same way not the same skill sets the same expectations but it's always He's what you example. want dayron sharp to do hey man come in throw your body around be over aggressive when you take fouls make it because you're you're you are scrambling and trying to get everything done you know, Daron Sharp spends a lot of his time looking like he wants to make the perfect right play and right decision and right move, right? Trying to learn himself into the game and into his role. Whereas with a player like Prosper, it's just like, dude, I'm going, <laughs> I'm going like results. Be well, what at they least will. with Daron, at least with Daron too. Like I think he had motor when it came to getting on the glass. Yeah. I was, I was going to put him in that category, at least for that particular thing. Okay. We can mm-hmm. move on. So, but the, right. yeah. So Max let's Bullard. drop this yeah, guy. Second, get this guy in the second round. We'll all get really excited. <laughs> now wait for him to fall and we'll all be yeah. elated. Six, seven out of Pepperdine. Maxwell Lewis, lead the way on him. These are things that you clearly like about his game. Again, another guy, depending on which board you're on, it's the back end of the first round. It's into the second round. So this, I, I'm going to label him once again as being someone that you probably want to look at trading back for, trading back even later in the first round before you're continuing to go for him. But he has been rising on a lot of boards too. And I, I was curious to see if you agree with his ascension versus where he started his combine and draft process. 
Well, he's actually risen up because of what he did at the combine. Like, right. so he, like, he actually performed. Not, not it's, it's funny about the comics. Not everyone chose to play, so it's there was only a certain group of guys that were ended up being there. But his stock did start to rise on what was happening there, and I think that's a really good sign. I think you do want to start to see guys rise, not necessarily just on single performances, but on like new situations that they were there to sort of take the mantle on. Right. So now you can, you can run hot for a different couple of days and, and just certain situations and shoot the lights out and whatever. And just, but I will say you do get a few extra credit points to me when you're definitely now playing against all the best guys or like the yep. best remaining guys that are going into the draft. And you know, every important eye is on you, right? Because this is the, this is the, and you play well. I do actually give extra points to situations like that because I, I think contextually they matter. And maybe that's just me overdoing a little bit, but for him, he's a pretty big dude. He can definitely shoot. Definitely, definitely shoot. I took over four three-pointers a game uh, at Pepperdine. He was shooting free throws at 80% for his college career. Like, the efficiency is for sure there on the on the scoring end. I wouldn't be shocked if he climbed even a little bit further up. Like, I've seen him as high as 27, 26 right now. I could see it going maybe a tick higher just because he has some of those things that you can't – I mean, you can coach a little bit, but he can do them now. Like, being pretty big – and being able to shoot now and be able to just kind of handle the ball. And you yeah. can still kind of see upside in his game with that length. His body's got to fill out because he's still pretty skinny. But I think it's one of those things where he does, he, this guy checks enough boxes that I wouldn't be shocked if he actually kept creeping into the mid, into the early 20s as this goes on, because it's kind of coming all at the right time for him. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because it, it, it's a fluid player. I, I like elements of his game. And to, to cap off this discussion overall with these players, remember, we start with Ryan Rupert, a guy who is right around 18, 19, 20 in the draft. But you're talking about knowing there's very clear areas of his game that are going to take a year or two to fully come into fruition. Some of these other players you can look at and say, get out there and show me what you can do right now. The question becomes about ceiling. So it is fascinating. We've talked about this now throughout this draft process. Once you get out of the lottery and through some of those early teen kind of areas, guys are pushing up there. The 18, 19 through 28, you know, 29, 30 first round might not be as far apart, you know, as we think. And that's why you're seeing some guys who, to your point, showcased well. Guess what? If you did that and someone else elected not to perform there, you may just rise simply on the fact of the, the most recent memory in my mind is a guy that looks like he has some elements that we could capitalize off of. I, I, I wouldn't care one way or the other if the Nets took him, if we're just thinking about it from that standpoint. It's fine. I, I like some of it, but it doesn't excite me maybe long-term the way other prospects I, I, I wouldn't go nuts about it. I will say no. if you gave him like 25% more of just like Prosper's defensive stuff, then this would be a no-brainer. Right. Yeah. The defense is weak. The yeah. defense is weak and the frame might not totally support it because he's actually, I mean, he's 21 years old. It's like unclear how, how much bigger he's going to get. And yeah. so that would be really a problematic area, but I could see this kind of guy fitting some of the things that nets like <laughs> in, in, in guys. And so I don't know, it wouldn't shock me 
I wouldn't be totally against it. I don't think I'd be through the moon about it, but over the moon, like you can't go through the moon. You can go over the moon though. Um, like, we yeah, could try to go through the moon. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Just know. You never say moon. never, dude. It'd be kind of a job. fun experiment. All right. Um, if it was, pro- know, I, I'll put it, uh, yeah, I'll cap it off by saying I would out of the two, I'd prefer Prosper over Lewis. If you're taking a look at the skill set, I probably and, would and- take Lewis. I probably would take Lewis over Prosper. Um, was close yeah i think i'll go lewis just to be different but i only and and because it's close enough for me (laughs) um we'll be back in obviously talking about uh, probably a handful more prospects and like i said next week we'll set our board as we approach the draft and where we think some of these guys are going to go because there's a clear cut 15 16 17 guys that i think will just automatically not be available for the brooklyn nets where do we think they can go at 21 and 22 to make the most short-term success all right. Make sure in the meantime, you are subscribed to Locked On Nets over on YouTube as we climb toward 6,000 subscribers. Very, very simple and very free for you to do. All you got to do is go to Locked On Nets on YouTube and just hit subscribe. And that's it. That's all. That's the best way you can help the show. Totally free for you. And it really, really helps us. The moon derived from the Latin word Luna is our permanent natural satellite. And it was formed 4.5 billion years ago when a rock slammed into our planet. That's the quote. Oh, any any poet or just some nerd? The moon. Just some nerd it scientist. It was an auto. It was an autobiography from the from the moon. Yeah, just some dork that liked the moon. All right, one of the all time great poets. We're <laughs> back again next week talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.